This is Looking for Christ, a podcast that seeks to deepen faith as we look for Christ in all of Scripture. My name is Zach, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Oren. And today, we're going to be in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. And here's the text. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full." Okay, so what we have here um, in John 15 is the last of the seven um, I am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. It's probably the most popular one, I I would say, probably, among most Christian listeners um, and uh, readers of the Bible, churchgoers. Uh, The the image of vine and branches is a very common one, and it's one that in Jesus' time would have been um, an easy-to-understand illustration, metaphor, analogy, um, because uh, vineyards were very prominent in that part of the world at this time. And so understanding what a vine is and how branches operate, being connected to the vine would have been this imagery that the disciples would have easily understood, and the point would have been driven home that if a branch is going to bear fruit, it must be connected to the vine. A branch not connected to the vine um, was useless, and a a branch that did not bear fruit was useless um, to the vine dresser, to the gardener, to the one who who owned the vineyard and would harvest the grapes to make the wine and the the grape jelly and all that other stuff that they made with grapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was imperative that each branch did its part. And so what vine dressers would do is they would walk through their vineyards and they would cut away the branches that were not bearing fruit. And so Jesus is using that illustration as a way to help the disciples to understand what his calling on their life is. It's not simply um, just to say you are a follower of Jesus, someone who is a Christian, but that your life will bear evidence um, that you are a follower of Christ, that there is a genuine um, transformation that's taken place in your life where you um, exemplify these Christ-like characteristics, and what he calls fruit here. And he says that every branch that's in him that does not bear fruit, 
um, he prunes it. So um, every branch, every branch that does not bear fruit, he cuts it away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it, which was the work of the vine dresser to make sure that the branches were always healthy. So you have these two contrasting images. You have a, a, a branch that's not bearing fruit that is no longer useful to the vine dresser. You have a branch that is bearing fruit, and the vine dresser, at the right time, cuts it back so that when it grows, it grows back healthy. And this is what Jesus wants his disciples to understand, to the point at which he even tells them that they were clean, or I would say they were being pruned, made pure, by the word that he spoke to them, that their um, that their fruit bearing is contingent upon them hearing and doing as he commands in his word. And so he gives them this command with a warning. He says, abide in him, which means to um, to remain in, to continue in. There's a sense of dwelling here. So like uh, uh, you are, it's like a place where you reside. You reside in Christ. You live in Jesus, essentially. Uh, because if you don't, you will not be able to bear fruit. And Jesus goes so far as even to say in verse 5 that apart from him, you can do nothing that he commands here. Um, if you want to be a fruit bearer, you must have faith and trust and dependence upon Jesus. Um, he says, and the way you do that is to let his words abide in you. He says in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now we hear those words, Zach, and we think, oh, well, Jesus is saying you can ask for whatever you want. No, the context here is fruit bearing. I think what Jesus is saying here is ask whatever you wish in light of what I've just told you, which is your call to bear fruit in your life. And if you ask, I will give that to you because those those that fruit that he wants us to bear is the, the Christ like characteristics, which we read about in the book of Galatians, for instance, love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the um, the traits of a Christian that are are undeniably Christ like. And so Jesus is saying, if you want to bear those things, you must abide in me and my words, what I've commanded you, must abide in you. And in that, God will be glorified. God the Father is glorified in how you bear out these spiritual characteristics in your life. And what I, what I find really um, what I kind of humbling here is Jesus is very clear. If you do not abide in him, you will not be able to do this. It's not as though you get to kind of pick and choose. And that's one thing that I, I shared with the church when I taught this passage is so many believers want to define the terms of discipleship, but discipleship is conditional. God's love is unconditional, certainly, but discipleship in Christ is conditional. There's a lot of if statements are the words unless in verse four, which shows us there are conditions to being a follower of Jesus. I immediately think of Luke 9.23, right? If any man would follow me or come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. There's a condition there. When the rich young man approached Jesus wanting to follow him, Jesus says, give all your wealth to the poor, come follow me. And the, the man couldn't do it. There was a condition there. And so it's important for us to, under, to, to, to understand and remember that if we're going to call ourselves Christians, there are certain conditions that Christ expects us to meet, and if we do not meet them, or if we don't strive after them, then there will be no evidence that we are actually followers of Christ. And so we must prove that we are his disciples by bearing fruit in our lives. I think that's the essential uh, command expectation in these verses. Yeah, I um, appreciate everything you just said. And um, in this, where we find ourselves in John, I think is like... The, the, in John 14 through John 17, I think it's called his farewell discourse. Yeah. So as it, 
Do they call it that because Jesus is preparing the disciples for his departure? Yes. Right. So, at, so the, at the at the end of chapter twelve, he says we got to go to Jerusalem. Thirteen through seventeen is um, his his teachings. Most of, most of it probably took place in the upper room, and then when you get to the high priestly prayer in John seventeen, 17 mm-hmm. um, then they go to the garden, and that's where he's arrested, and we have the narrative after that. Yeah. So you can imagine like being a disciple and hearing Jesus like prepare you for his leaving. You got to imagine, like, what, Jesus is, what, 32, 33 around this time? So you got to imagine the disciples, yeah, the disciples must have thought, we've got years with this guy. You know, he's, we love him. He's our, he's our Savior. We're recognizing him as the Messiah. And what more comforting illustration could Jesus give, even though he's departing uh, of this, and, and you mentioned it, this, this, this union or this connection of vine and branch, and there's no... It'd be harder to communicate a more close union than vine branch, and so Jesus is assuring them: even though I'm I'm departing, um, I will be I will be with you, and you will be with me, uh, which he which he explicitly says all throughout John. Um, and so, like this imagery, Jesus is telling his disciples, and really us too, like me, he's telling me that I am the nourish, I'm the life giver, like I I. The, the way you in which you exist is because of me. I, I nourish you and I give you life uh, from like a spiritual standpoint. And even from like a, you know, actually taking breath um, is, is, a, is a grace of God. Um, and what I'm, it's easy for me to get caught up in the idea of the need to bear fruit in this text. But um, in 1 through 11, abide is mentioned eight times. And he really, Jesus really doesn't start that till verse four. And so there's like this heavy concentration of abiding. And I think you said it well, because I, I, my next question is like, well, what, (laughs) okay. Abide is obviously the point here, but, but what does that mean? Uh, I don't think I've ever used that term in like normal conversation. abiding. right, Right. Right. But you mentioned it's like dwelling, it's remaining in, um, what I, I think there's a there's a beautiful picture in verse nine. Uh, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. And there's almost that what the uh, Protestant Reformation called that beautiful uh, the great exchange, right? Where uh, it, where he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Um, but if we take what you said and this idea of remaining, this idea of dwelling in, dwelling and remaining in God's love, in the love that the Father had for the Son, um, is the same love that the Father and the Son and the Spirit have for us. Um, and, uh, there's a couple texts that, um, I, I find, uh, have some consistency with the idea of abiding Colossians three sixteen says, let the word dwell in you richly. There's that idea of dwell there remaining Ephesians five eighteen, I think it's five eighteen says, be filled with the spirit, um, and I think that idea of letting the word dwell in you richly, I think you brought it out too. In verse seven, Jesus says, if you abide in me 
and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Another verse that comes to mind is kind of like the, the theme of this podcast, that Hebrew, what is it, Hebrews 12, 2, look to Christ, the, the founder and uh, the author and perfecter of our, our faith. Um, that idea of abiding is us looking to Jesus. The whole, the whole scope of this podcast really is, is how can we get closer to Jesus? That's why I love uh, doing this podcast is because it's this designated day in the week where, you know, you're a pastor, so you may get, you may get to do this more often than I do. Uh, but just to be able to have a conversation. Of, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're right, for sure. Uh, and to draw my attention and my eyes and my gaze mm-hmm. to Christ. Yeah, so. yeah. And it's, it's, about, it's about finding um, finding what he wants us to know. And here's, what, here's what's interesting. He says, I love you the way the Father loves me. Mm-hmm. And so you immediately, my, immediate, my thought is immediately gone to like the, the Trinitarian fellowship yeah before before creation right and that there's this there's this deep um really inexplicable kind of love that father son and spirit have for one another and that out of that love god creates to share with his creation and so jesus what jesus is doing here is he is telling us how to share in that love Right, and that is to let His words abide in us, and so mm. my mind immediately goes to the gospel because the gospel tells me Jesus loves me, but it also tells me how I can know that Jesus loves me because He gave His life for me. Mm. He fills me with His Spirit. He promises to be with me always. Like there's all these beautiful reminders in the Scripture of of Christ's love for me. And, and his the evidence he's given to show that. So if you could say the fruit of his life was showing me that he, that he loves me, and mm-hmm. then now I'm called to live in that reality. So this is a gospel-rooted abiding. It's not something that we simply do. It's not like though the image is like of a branch like clinging to a vine with its own like tentacles, String. hands, yep. right? Yeah. Yep. It's like, it's just, it's grown out of the vine, yep. right? It flows like out. Yeah. Exactly. There wasn't a branch at one time, and then there is a branch. And even the ones it, grafted in are grafted in by the vine dresser, which yes, is the by father. the vine dresser. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that was one thing I shared with the church was whenever you, uh, the, 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 word, the, the word in verse eight, my father is glorified, is God is glorified when the branches connected to Jesus are doing what they're supposed to do. And mm. so it wasn't as though the, the, um, the people who drank the grapes of the, the wine or, the, or, or ate the, you know, the, the, um, the raisins or whatever went to the, went to the branches and go, good job, branches. Y'all did a great job bearing <laughs> fruit. Though they praised the vine dresser for growing such delicious grapes, right? Mm. And so there's this image of the, all the glory for for the love that Christ has shown us in his life, death, and resurrection is going to God. And then all this, all the stuff we produce, all the good love and joy and kindness that comes out of us goes back to God for his glory, right? Mm. And that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to lead lost people into a relationship with God so that we could fulfill our created purpose, which is to glorify the Father. And mm. so... The way at which we live in the love of Jesus is to take in his word, to believe what it says, and then to obey it, 
right? That's what the word abide in his words means. It means to to live in them and to abide in them. So my mind immediately goes to my favorite, one of my favorite passages in John 6, when the, when the crowds leave Jesus after he tells them they have to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, and this is such a hard teaching, and he looks at the disciples and he basically says, are you going to leave me also? Mm-hmm. And, and Peter, in a moment of, of sheer spiritual brilliance, says, Lord, where else will we go? You have the words yeah. of life. I yeah. love that reference because Peter recognized in that moment the only way they would have any kind of spiritual life in themselves is to live in the words of Jesus. Mm. And so Christ is telling us that here, keeping his commandments, doing as he's commanded, is is abiding in his love because we see his love for us in what he's commanded. It's for our good to abide in, or to live in what he's what he's given us to do. And so you have this beautiful um, revelation of our our purpose in life, when we bear this fruit, we're, we're seeing what we're made to do. Yeah. Um, did you draw out any Old Testament texts in your, like in your sermon or in your preparation? I did. I did some. Um, most of it was was New Testament references. Um, I, I did read from um, from Isaiah that Israel Israel was often referred to as God's vine, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Um, uh, his vine, his servant. There's several references to that in, throughout the Old Testament. Of course, you you have the the, the famous Isaiah 11 passage about um, Jesus or the or the son of David being the shoot from the stump of Jesse. Um, um, so that's kind of a, a vine imagery there. Um, yeah, I remember. So I remember when you preached that at First Baptist, and you you talked about how this is like always stuck. Whenever I hear the stump of Jesse, yeah, um, I always remember what you said, and you were like, I think you said something to the effect of. The one who was going to come after David was so, like, massive, so awesome that, like, David's name would, like, his name would be, because yeah. the, the, the Jewish people, like, revered David as, like, this awesome yeah. king. And he was. He was a great king. But, like, the person who comes after him, like, David's name isn't even worth mentioning on the same yeah. level. And so it's, yeah. it's the stump of Jesse, not the stump of David, but the stump of Jesse, because yeah. Christ is going to overshadow David. Yeah, uh, to such a degree. Yeah, it's like it's almost as if the the shoot from the stump of Jesse was replacing, like the biological shoot from Jesse. David was being replaced by the by the greater David, which is literally yeah. was what happened. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and so the Christ. Reason... Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh well, yeah, the reason I was asking about Old Testament texts is because I found one that was pretty interesting. Uh, Isaiah twenty seven. Two through six, and Isaiah. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is Isaiah proclaiming both exiles, the 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 northern kingdom and the southern kingdom exile, or was it just the southern? I can't remember. Yes, if it, so or if it spanned both. Yes, yes. Basically, spans the time of both. Yes. yes. Okay. So imagine, like Isaiah's writing, and I I think the bulk, like the bulk of Isaiah, or maybe it's the first half of Isaiah, is all judgment, right? It's it's pretty harsh. Uh, and so then you have like a, a passage like this that uh, is Isaiah 27 starts in verse two. I'm going to read through verse six. In that day, a pleasant vineyard, sing of it. I, the Lord, am its keeper. Every moment I water it, lest anyone punish it. I keep it night and day. I have no wrath. Would that I had thorns and briars to battle. I would march against them. I would burn them up together. Or let them lay hold of my protection. Let them make peace with me. Let them make peace with me. And this gets to the, like the idea of the fruit, uh, the the 
church bearing fruit or Israel bearing fruit in verse six. In days to come, Jacob shall take root. Israel shall blossom and put forth shoots and fill the whole world with its with fruit. Yeah. And it just like it, there's almost like this uh, complete parallel with John, mm-hmm. what Jesus is saying in John mm-hmm. 15 with that text. Yeah, it's a fulfillment. Yeah, for sure. And again, this, this passage, like you said earlier, all the abiding words point us back to Jesus. It's not as though he's saying to his disciples or to us, all right, branches, you're on, you're on your own. Go, <laughs> right. go do the best you can. He's saying, no, I'm going to do the best in you. You have to trust me. You have to walk in my ways, believe what I've said, do as I've commanded, and in time you will see that fruit being being born. Um, yeah. And look, the, the hope is, and the, 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 the result is joy, verse 11, uh, the things I've spoken to you, he says, so that you, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So imagine the joy that Christ had in knowing the Father. And now he's sharing that joy in us that it may be in its fullness, right? And one of the joyful testimonies here is that if you are bearing fruit, Jesus, our God, I guess the vine dresser, God is interested in pruning you so that you will bear more fruit. Yeah. Which yep. is a very direct reference to some of the, maybe the hardships and trials we face in life. Those are prunings to teach us patience, to teach us joy, to teach us love, so that we can bear more of it later in, in, in life. And, and so there should be a joyful aspect to our abiding. Uh, you've heard me say this before. There are too many miserable Christians out there who just like they treat they treat their. I can obedience be one of like, them sometimes. <laughs> well, that's no, just like we treat disobedience like it's this drudgery, and yeah, yeah. sometimes we we resist God's will. But but the reality is, when you stop and consider all that Christ has done to make you a child of God, it should fill you with joy that you get to walk with Jesus, abide in Jesus, because it's safe, because it's um, it's beautiful, because it's it's lovely, because it's yeah. it brings peace and comfort, you know. And so, so just to encourage the listeners, don't forget the, the element of joy that comes with your walking in the ways of God. That when you abide in His commandments, that should fill you with joy to know that you're pleasing and glorifying God the Father. And that should inspire you to continue to want to bear fruit in your life. Yeah. Um, uh, last thing I feel like we should mention about the, the branches that do not, that are thrown away. Um, like when I first think about that, it, it scares me a little bit because my, the emphasis I automatically go to is that they're not bearing fruit, but Jesus actually starts it in verse six. If anyone does not abide in me, yes, he is thrown away like a branch and wither. So it's yes, it's the not producing fruit, but that's like a symptom. The yeah, root exactly. cause is the not abiding. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we've, so if like we experience true love through abiding with Jesus, we fool ourselves by thinking other things can fill us up. Other things right. can satisfy us. Other things can fulfill us. When the reality is Jesus is telling us like that is a dead end, literally a dead end, a spiritual dead end, a physical dead end. You will not be satisfied by none other than me. I think of the, um, I think there's a verse in Ecclesiastes that talks about uh, God has placed eternity in our hearts. And it's, it's this, it's, it's, we, we can't help but long for the things, the eternal things. And when we try to fill those with, uh, sex, drugs, um, alcohol, like all these other things that we think can fill us and make us feel better, they're, they're fleeting. They will never satisfy us 
in the same way that Christ does, in the same way that Christ will. Yeah, and some people read those in, in verse two and verse six. There's a there's a very direct warning. Uh, one is that one is thrown away. One is one is uh, thrown away in the, to the fire. Um, uh, one is taken away. And so there's this. There's have been interpretations that what God will judge His people. Well, yes and no. Like there's not. If if you are not bearing fruit, if you if you call yourself a Christian right now, and you look at your life and go, I'm not bearing spiritual fruit. Don't don't think that God's just going to swoop down and cut you off all of a sudden. That's not what the, the that's not the point here. I think there's a it's meant to be a, a a metaphorical warning that this is your destination, right? Um, that this is the this is the end result certainly if you don't bear fruit, but you can start today and go back to Jesus. It doesn't mean tomorrow yep. you're going to be loaded loaded down with fruit. It means you begin the process of of being whole, being made whole so that you can bear fruit. So I, we we take these to be like a literal like thrown in the fire, that's hellfire, judgment. No no, uh, that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's using it as a warning of what your destination could be if you don't begin to abide and if you abide then fruit will be the natural product of that relationship you have with Jesus so that's certainly the case the fruit ju- just like the being um, cut away is a symptom of not abiding the fruit is the result of abiding and so there's a yeah. promise here that really overwhelms the warning yes just seek seek to abide and you will find peace and hope in your life and that that's a, a beautiful promise that applies to every minute of every day of our lives and um, our prayer should be that we would that we'd be able to bear that fruit for the sake of others to see the the the, the goodness and the and the, the beauty of Christ um, for all who who trust in him yeah and like just the last thing I'll say is if we find ourselves not bearing fruit the remedy and the solution is not let me now go bear fruit. I right. th- you said it well. The remedy and the solution is turn my eyes to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look to Christ, the author and perfecter mm-hmm. of my of my faith. That's like I can't focus on the fruit. I have to focus on Christ. Yeah. And through yeah. that, through that, that's when the fruit will be. And but that's not yeah. even the emphasis. The emphasis is on me looking to Christ. Yeah. Me, me knowing that uh, he abiding in his love. That's that's mm-hmm. the emphasis. And you know, I, I taught this passage um, on December thirty first. So everybody's thinking about the new year and new commitments <laughs> and kind of renewing ourselves with you know diet and exercise and reading more and you know um, here, and that here. those all those all great. <laughs> but I I can't think of a better way to begin your new year than to just kind of recommit yourself to doing those small things day to day to abide in Jesus. Your scripture, your prayer time, look to serve someone over the course of the day in some way, a kind word, you know, invite someone to church. Like there's things you can do to bear those simple fruits that over time will become um, will become more plentiful in your life. So as you begin this new year, whenever this episode releases, um, think about uh, what maybe what you're lacking, maybe when ways that you haven't been abiding well in Christ over the last weeks, months, or year, and recommit yourself to to abiding in Jesus day by day, and you will find in time. You'll look back in a few weeks, a few months, and you'll be able to see how you've gotten to that place in your life where you feel more at peace, you feel comforted. There is fruit being born in your life because you're simply abiding in your love for Jesus because you know how much He loves you. Amen. And until next time, Lord, help us to turn our eyes to Jesus. Amen.